Hello, everyone. It's uh, time for Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 162, and this time, and I'm going to botch your voice. Your, <laughs> I voice. can't even get there. I'm going to botch your name, Guillaume Vayette. Yeah, that's right. I got it. All right. Hey, it's been a while, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me. I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the show, and uh, it's always a thrill to be participating and sometimes you know kind of guessing along and uh failing to guess uh but uh it's always fun would you prefer to edit the podcast oh no absolutely (laughs) not yeah well that's okay so uh, we got five games here uh guillaume picked i think three of the games that we have today so we'll be playing along for a little bit of it but uh, mostly we're just going to be having fun listening to music and talking about these games. Uh, the usual drill, try to figure out the games. We've got to hint questions for you to help you figure it out or ponder if uh, if you've already figured it out. Maybe, maybe the hint questions gives you something else to think about. Um, and of course, uh, since I'll probably forget, uh, if you have your own requests, you can email them to me at typ at nintendoworldreport.com. We've gotten... A few requests lately, but not uh, as many as we have in the past. I still have a giant backlog, but I I always welcome new requests, especially since there's tons of games coming out. uh, I like uh, pulling from recent as well as old. So um, with that, let's go on to the first song from the first game.
So far, so good. I approve of your choice of uh, music tracks. It's hard to go wrong with this game. Um, mm-hmm. It's really a matter of like which ones are the best versus like really good, and uh, it's a tough call. You know, and there's you know personal preference here. So hopefully we can cram in a bunch of great songs in the background too. Nice. Um, so we'll go on to the second song, and uh, then we got a hint question for you. to read the email or uh, the question the email <laughs> what the heck yeah. we were both doing it man uh, uh. it's gonna be tough yes please hit, read the hint question please sure so the question is what previous game in this series is the playable playable ocarina a reference to
anyone who's played the demo for this game, I think, will have recognized the game now. And anyone who hasn't played the demo, well, uh, what's wrong with you? Uh, so, I, is there like a demo that was released publicly? Yeah, yeah, it's been released uh, after, you know, uh, I think uh, maybe a month ago. So much later after, you know, much past the, the release of the oh, game. Oh, okay. But, uh, wow. So, yeah. like, you can go and uh, download the demo for the Switch and uh, just try it out. Uh, so this game is Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, a lot of good, feel-good music there. Um, yeah, that guitar there. Oh yes, yeah. wow. great stuff. Yeah, I. Um, I'll let you go first. I mean, I think you've talked a lot about this game already on RFN, but yeah, I have. And what 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 are your highlights on this game what do, what do you like about the game uh it's uh it's just kind of the um, i think i've always wanted to like adventure of link more than i actually do <laughs> and so and, and i find this type of like uh 2d side scrolling you know boy with a sword and the shield adventure game uh I, I find that type of game appealing um and uh this is just uh, probably one of the best examples of that. And not only do you have a boy, a shield, and a sword, but you've got several other weapons. You've got mm -hmm. uh, transformations, you've got powers. Um, it's got that uh, kind of Metroidvania kind of progression, except um, the, 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 the map is so packed with secrets. Like it's kind of, un you know, it's unbelievable when you finish the game and you find everything, uh, just how many icons for the stuff you've found uh, end up on that map. Um, and it's, um, it doesn't feel like, th there's a lot of stuff that you miss that you don't even know is there at first. And then it's just, uh, I don't know, they crammed a lot of game into this game. Uh, it's really impressive and it's really pretty. The music is great. Uh, it plays really well and um, you know, I, I know that people were impressed by the looks of uh, Dragon's Trap, mm -hmm. or yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So the remake of uh, Dragon's Curse, or it's a whole thing. But yeah, that the, game the was, other one that came out on Switch. Yeah, and so, but that game was a remake, and it was trying to stay faithful to the the gameplay, the the, the physics, like all the little quirks of that oh, yeah. original game that came out, like on the Sega Master System of all things we're still in there, it's just that they, they prettied it up a whole lot. Um, but this is made, you know, with modern controllers, modern input lag, uh, <laughs> you know, in mind, and uh, decades of, uh, you know, game design. Um, so yeah, so so it's it, it's, a, it's a great game. But yeah, you, yeah. You, so you've been playing this. Oh, oh yeah, so I, I've, I have beaten the game. I um... I had played, you know, Dragon's Trap, and I think one other Wonder Boy game before it. And I, you know, I liked them well enough. Uh, and I, I guess subconsciously, I knew that it had a lot of threads to Zelda 2 in it and stuff, but I'd kind of forgotten. And I just sort of, started, out of serendipity, I had played the Famicom Disk System version of Zelda 2, and it's, it has some weird, quirky differences from the international release, by the way. Um, and then I played this game next, and it was like the perfect game to play back to back. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is like the, like the modernized version. If they wanted to remake Zelda 2, this is what they would make." Because um, even Zelda 2 has some slight Metroidvania type things, and I'm sure they borrowed a lot 
from the Metroid engine when they were making that game. Um, and, and so um, it was a weird but but actually very interesting progression. I really liked this game up until a point, and, and I say that because the, the, the game builds and, and it, it has the Metroidvania thing, but it doesn't like force you to explore really a lot. And I just felt like, yeah, this is just the right amount of Metroidvania for me. I don't want tons of backtracking. It was very good about just, you know, you're constantly moving forward, getting new powers, uh, new transformations, and, and it's really clever about how it builds on itself. I just love it. I was just on a, man, one, two, three, just, I was pounding through this, and then I hit a point in the game where I feel like it turns into subtly a different game. It becomes more of a a, a puzzly, puzzle-oriented platformer at some point, um, yeah. right after the volcano, and and then it forces you to like backtrack a lot to get things that I thought were optional. I was like, all right, this is off, you know lots of optional stuff. I want to go back later. I can get it. Now it's forcing me to do it. And and then the wart just sort of came to the surface once uh, that part of the game hit me because. There's something about the art style that I love, but sometimes it's hard for me to see what's interactive or not. Mm. Uh, maybe that's kind of by design, but it, I, I feel like it it's not fun when you, you're scratching your head and it's because it's something that's like I thought was not interactive, but it is in the background. Um, right. And there's just other little things like that that I feel like um, some more polished. You know, if Nintendo had been publishing it, they would have caught some of this stuff. Um, I mean, but the game is so good. Otherwise, this stuff just jumps out at me, and it's so frustrating. This game is great, uh, but you know, there's this you know internal inconsistencies. Of, like, you might remember this. There's a there, there's one thing you have to do that. Well, you have to do a lot of things at the end of the game to backtrack, and there's kind of a triforce hunt yeah. uh, type aspect to this. And, and and one of the things you have to do is there's this hidden underwater door, and most of the time, you can open up a door just by pushing up when you're underwater. But apparently, in this case, you have to like put on the iron boots, you sink, and you walk. And you don't have to do that anywhere else to open up a door underwater. And so I knew there was something there. I never thought to use... Anyway, there's a lot of stuff I wanted just game-facking, basically. Yeah. Um, because I just I just gave up. And it, it was just such a frustrating ending to the game. Because I, I, I loved this game. And I was tweeting, I was like, this is an awesome mixture of Zelda 2, Wario... Uh, a couple other influencing games in here, and it just comes together so well. And then all the bosses are fun, the music's fantastic. I just felt like, you know, if the game had ended at that one point where I just, it just sort of things turned, hmm. I think the game would have been a lot better. It was like, it was, it's kind of like my experience with The Messenger, actually, too, where it's like 10, 10, 10, 10. I mean, this game is a 10 for me, and then all of a sudden it becomes kind of a different game halfway through. Hmm. And uh, I'm, it is, I don't like it as much. Um, yeah, I haven't played the messenger yet, but I've uh, I've heard that type of uh, yeah uh, feedback uh, about it. Uh, I um, yeah I, I more or less remember the underwater door. I gotta admit, uh, well towards the, I think towards the end they start pointing you to where you might have missed secrets. So I think right that, they, they do uh, highlight that. But, right, but so th- I think still... that helped. But I also looked up. Uh, answers online, like I, I, I did look up a few things because I, I couldn't find uh, some, yeah, maybe hidden door or whatever. Um, but I didn't mind. The, the, the game is very long; it's at least like yeah. 20 hours, I would at say. Least. At least. Yeah, and, and so, that's not even trying to 100. percent Right. So, so I, I, I didn't feel too bad. Like the, the, the thing is, like when, when there's when when the puzzle involves something in the background that you don't notice until 
finally do notice it and stuff like that, I find that extremely rewarding. And I got enough of those moments in the game that I didn't mind spoiling the answers to a few other puzzles for myself. So I was, you know, like, yeah, I didn't mind too much. We're in 2019, the internet exists, and uh, why not use it? Um, but I think that the game got patched also after I finished it, um, and I think that uh, maybe they, they uh, maybe streamlined some things or made some uh, puzzle solutions a little bit more obvious. So that might also help. Yeah, that, um, that might. Uh, there was. I mean, I complained about one thing in particular, and, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, the, the there's you know the, a, a section of the game that's after where I started." turning on it, you know, started souring on me. You know, they said, oh yeah, the next patch is going to make this part easier for progression purposes. And I said, okay, that's nice, but I'm not really a fan of patching after, I mean, I, I guess I'm old school. I was like, like, you should release the game when it's ready to go. And it was, I mean, they're trying to improve it. I get it, but um, it doesn't help me, right? I've already played the game. I'm not going to go back and play it again. <laughs> and and I, I just think at a at a philosophical level from a game design perspective overall um, maybe just my personal beef with it but I, I just feel like fundamental decisions were made about the latter third of the game that I, I think were not wise decisions and, I, and just the spirit of the game changes and it's okay I mean they can do what they want to do and it was still overall a, a very fun game for me but um, I, I don't know I just I, I, I felt like a little bit of a bait switch there just a little bit yeah, maybe. I, I, I could not put it down, personally. I was just, like, constantly glued to the game until I beat it. Um, but towards the end, there, there might have... I, I think I did feel some fatigue. Um, the, uh, Yeah, no, it's a... Uh, I don't know, I think it's a fantastic game. They did draw out a few... They stretch out a few things, and it really is a neat yeah. Like you said, there's, there's a ton of stuff in this game, I think. I, I don't know if, like, the publisher was like, we, we gotta make this worth $40, extend it, or if it was just the teams, like, we got these cool ideas, we're just gonna keep adding more. I don't I don't know exactly what it was, but they had so much there. I mean, it, when you, you look at a game like Zero Mission that's so small, and it's awesome, I mean, they had plenty more than what's in Zero Mission that was tons of fun. So it's like, I, I don't know, maybe they just have, need to fight that urge in the future? I, I don't know. But whatever this team comes up with next, I, I'm, I'm, I'm picking it up, I mean. Yeah. It's an awesome game overall, and like I said, I, I'm being negative on it, but it's because everything else is so awesome that, I mean, it, it's worth it even if you decide, like, you know what, I'm going to set the game down, because yeah. that first half is just totally awesome. I, um, I finished the game 100%, and uh, you get a little bit uh, an extra scene uh, at the end. It's not much, but uh, it does hint at a sequel, so I hope that they can realize that sequel. Uh, I think that it sold pretty well for what it is. Like they pretty quickly uh, boasted about like 50,000 copies sold, um, and the game hadn't been released on PC yet at that point. So uh, they can only they can only have sold more since then. Um, and hopefully the demo also helped. But uh, yeah, and this game is uh, it, it feels kind of like they they didn't hold back and they they put everything that they wanted to put uh, into this game. Um, and it's just shock full of references to the past games and uh, it, like it seems to crib also ideas from uh, games like Fez um, because of the kind of the how esoteric the solutions for some of the puzzles are mm -hmm. um, but yeah like and like yeah tons of references to the past games and um, as the hint question um, said that the uh, 
there's an ocarina in this game. There's like several callbacks to previous mm -hmm. games in the series. And, uh, you know, it's immediately obvious when you get to the town and there's like these uh, painted glass uh, uh, windows of uh, sh showing like the protagonists of past Wonder Boy games. And uh, eventually you also collect uh, holy items or whatever they're called. And, uh, you know, you've got the Tomahawk from uh, Wonder Boy 1 slash Adventure Island. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And, but you've also got the... Uh, uh, the ocarina and that's a reference to uh, wonder boy in the monster world which was uh i think the f i i fourth ish I, game in the series um i can't keep them straight i don't think i played this one yeah there were two wonder boy three games uh i guess only one of them counts but uh it's that that's how complicated the the, the numbering and the the how tortuous this uh series history is um, but yeah, let's, let's call it the fourth game, except then there's, then there's, uh, Monster World 4. Yep. So I guess, yeah, I know, right? The, the one with a girl. Yeah, um, that's the one I think I played on, I think they released it on the PlayStation 3. Yeah, and also game. on the Wii, yeah, yeah. It was a Genesis game that, the, the, the PlayStation, uh, network, XBLA, and WiiWare version was the first time that, uh, that game came out in English uh, over here. So that was nice of Sega. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I, I played a little bit of the, 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 the Monster Boy, Wonder Boy and Monster World. Uh, and uh, that's where the Ocarina is. And it is playable. Like there is a, a, a very early puzzle in that game where you have to uh, you know, learn these three tunes to open these three doors in this dungeon, and you play them by, you know, pressing the A, B, C buttons on the Genesis controller. Um, and this was years before Ocarina of Time was a thing. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I, I went and, you know, I, I played some of the past Winter Boy games after playing this game, uh, and uh, some of them hold up. Uh, but I, I think that there's a reason why uh, Dragon's Trap was the one that was remade, and it's definitely because it's the one that holds up the best, and that, mm -hmm. that's probably like the best overall, just you know, the, the better design game. Um, Wonder Boy and Monster World was made after that, but it's a little bit more conventional in terms of like Metroidvania progression, and that makes it less interesting, mm. um, if that makes sense. Um. So, uh, I don't think I mentioned the composers. There's several composers for this game. Mm -hmm. um, I'll try to list them all out here. Uh, Yuzo Koshiro Motoi Sakuraba, of course. Uh, Michiru Yamane, uh, Keiki Kobayashi, and Takeshi Yanagawa. So, uh, I guess Sega pulled out all the stops for this particular uh, game. Yeah. So. And... Uh, um what was I going to say? Oh yeah, when, um, I, I don't know, I guess it's a light spoiler. Uh, you know that, that well in town with a cork? Uh, that's like the very last puzzle that you solved, the very last secret in the game. Oh that yeah, you can, I never figured uh, that one out. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's super esoteric, as I mentioned. Uh, but once you do, one of the rewards is kind of a jukebox. Like you can go and just uh, listen to the tunes. So that's pretty neat. 
We're going to go on to the second game now. Exciting. Is that how it ends? I I don't know. I'll I'll make it smoother in per, in post or whatever. Uh, it very well might be. I mean, the the soundtrack for this game is weird. Yeah, it's not the feel good, uh, uh, upbeat soundtrack of Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. No.
Very uh, peaceful and pretty. Yeah, I like that one a lot. So, again, I guess I'll ask uh, the hint question. Go for um, it. Early on in this game, you meet a recurring character named Mitra riding a bicycle. What is the bicycle's name? This is a... Should I just go ahead and say it? Just go ahead and say it. It's a little game called Anodyne, uh, which I've talked about on Radio Free Nintendo, and which I enjoyed quite a lot, because it is very, very much uh, Link's Awaken-esque, as I put it. Um, very much inspired by Zelda, and specifically Link's Awakening, if just because your character gets a jump, and uh, mm. the, 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 some of the, the dungeon design and some of the puzzles are very reminiscent of uh, Link's Awakening, while also doing its own thing. So, 
Yeah. Cool. I haven't had a chance to check this game out yet. I, I want to. Um, did you mention that it's a little bit more of a maze-like dungeon design than yeah. perhaps... Uh, yeah. It is, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the map is only... It, it's basically the map in NES Zelda, where you you know, you know see a bunch of squares. Mm. Um, except that it does give you the convenience of, no, of showing you uh, where the doors are, where you're coming into those squares. So you know that a uh, particular square can only be entered from the east or the north. Uh, unfortunately, there might be stuff in the way in that, uh, you know, in, in, in that part of the map. And so, yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily tell you how to get from point A to point B when, when, when you're crossing several squares, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so it is very maze-like, but I, I, I didn't find that I minded that much. Um, I ended up uh, uh, kind of learning the map, learning how to, to, to navigate the, the, the world. And also there are uh, a copious amount of uh, warp points. Hmm. And so uh, and the, the warp points themselves kind of tell you if you've exhausted an area, if you've found anything, uh, everything in it. So when you're backtracking and things like that, you, you know where you need to spend time and where you're actually done. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not that bad. Um, unfortunately, Nintendo World Report, uh, our reviewer gave it, I think, 4 out of 10, uh, which Ooh. is very low. It's definitely lower than I would have given it. Uh, but but the, the, the Switch port of this game definitely has issues with uh, slowdown, and uh, it's, it's not performing the way that a uh, NES kind of looking 2D game should perform on the Switch. Um, oh, it reminds but, me kind of of... Um, there was another game I was playing that kind of had that problem. It was kind of a... Also kind of a Zelda 2-ish thing with the bow. Oh. Um, um, I'm having a Wii U game, actually. Elliot's Quest? Elliot's Quest, yeah. I seem, I'm mm. seeing to call similar kinds of weird... Uh, technical issues with that game when it's like it looks kind of simple why are you you know why is this happening yeah why is uh, the console struggling to run this uh, yeah um, yeah yeah it's unfortunate but again I, I, I enjoyed the game enough to just uh, get past that and, and finish it so uh, but but I did not feel that way initially uh, I, I learned about this game's existence from uh, uh, this game journalist that I follow on Twitter, and uh, she she just loved it. And this game is from 2014. It came out on PC in 2014, um, and uh, I don't know, like very high praise for it. Mm. And uh, I so I got the game, or I got a free code, admittedly, for the game uh, on the Switch, and I started playing it. And I was like, ooh, I'm not sure about this. I uh, I think I want to like this, but I, this game is making it difficult. Uh, partly because the, the, the initial areas are very drab looking and very dark, and partly because it seemed to be going for that kind of like, oh, this is like Zelda, but it's uh, it's got a darkness to it, you know? And it's also got like a side of, uh, you know, teenage angstiness and edginess to it, or, you know, like, and kind of the, the writing. <laughs> One of the early enemies that you meet is a kind of a slime. I, I'm not sure if they call it a slime, maybe like a pudding or something, but like it's a slime. It's a Dragon Quest slime. Yeah. And uh, 
in the game you can collect cards that, that, that represent the, the various enemies and various characters and you can go look at your collection of cards and then like you get more kind of writing about that enemy or whatever and that that slimes card was just like endless um, puns just like a dragon quest game like oh uh it's mm-hmm. it's nice to finally meet you and uh i don't know like it was i was like oh my god like i could not have rolled my eyes more uh, but then i got past a certain point and like once i got the jumping ability uh the, the game kind of opened up for me and got more interesting in terms of gameplay but also the writing got more interesting and also i i started knowing a little bit more what i was doing with the kind of the warp portals and stuff like that and I, st- I started just knocking one dungeon down after another and uh it was very satisfying and um yeah like it's you know it's like it's someone's quote-unquote first game or at least like the first game that was released and sold for money I, maybe they made like fan games before uh so so like there, there's that to keep in mind when you go into it like the we, we've seen that kind of uh one or two person two people make this game and like it's, it's got a lot of huh they're gonna be some rough edges yeah 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 um but it's it's interesting, and I feel like th- there is some of uh, oh, I'm just gonna put in everything that I like uh, in this game. Uh, there's some of that in it, but it's also got some originality as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, I I think that if you're not afraid of a very maze-like game, uh, yeah, should definitely check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, w- one of the uh, things that made me roll my eyes early on is uh, this character, Mitra, who bumps into you. And she's riding a bike, and uh, she, I think that the first thing that she tells you is that, is that uh, you know, like I'm just uh, going around peddling my wares. And you're like, and then she says, like, oh no, 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 I don't have anything to, to, to sell. I'm, uh, my wares is in the name of my bike. She's peddling it. I know, yeah, I know, I know. It gets better, I swear. I swear it does. It it was this weird, like, you know, like, kind of uh, frontal assault of uh, of puns early on in the game. And they, 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 you know, I'm not saying that the the back half of the game is pun-less, but um, it it gets more interesting than that. It sounds like maybe they wrote I don't know, as they went along and maybe they didn't go back to the beginning as much and and uh, spread out the pun so there was a consistent voice throughout but maybe that's yeah. for the best because yeah, maybe they would have inserted more puns at the end yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I did want to note that the game is composed by Sean Hantani you can find uh, the soundtrack on Bandcamp and actually the, the composer includes some notes on each of the songs so if you check out mm. each song page there's, there's some interesting short notes about um like you know what what vibe the, he was going for or maybe what other songs influenced him when he was composing this particular song and given that it's kind of a weird soundtrack i think it's particularly interesting to read like oh okay that's kind of what he's going for there so it's, yeah. it's worth checking out that's nice and uh, there's um you know like the the same team developed uh, another game a 2d kind of platformer, side-scroller, adventure game, uh, even the ocean. I think that that's planned to come to Switch uh, soon-ish. And uh, there's also an Anodyne 2, which has more uh, PS1-type graphics. Uh, 
like it's 3D and it's got like that low poly, low res look that you would associate with a, a PlayStation game. And I don't know if that's coming soon or not to Switch, but uh, I've got my fingers crossed. Alright, well we're going to go on to the third game, which is a listener request. Um, so Guillaume does not know this one. Well, maybe yeah, he knows it, but he hasn't been told what it is. Yeah, it's, it's too he bad. didn't choose I was it. batting like 242 two here. Yeah, jeez. Sounded like a, a victory uh, screen to me, but I don't think I've played this game. Well, here's your hint question, which uh, might help, actually. I know, me writing a hint question that might help. We'll mm -hmm. see. So, likely due to at least in part the distributor's financial problems, this game's movie counterpart was first released in which region?
Catchy. That's but, probably uh, the best thing from this game. Hmm. So this is a movie tie-in or based game. Um, I, you know, like I think that you remarked in the recent episode that uh, that kind of uh, sound is uh, very European. Like they seem to 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 like to make the I don't know the mm-hmm. notes wobble. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even so, I uh, doesn't really clue me as to what this might be. I have no idea. This is RoboCop 3 for the NES. Oh, God. Uh, also released uh, for several other systems. Um, yeah, so this was requested by Chirami. And uh, he commented that uh, what surprised me about the soundtrack is how much it sounds like a Commodore 64 game. Uh, the game was also, spo- also released for the Commodore 64 so that might explain why the sound is very similar, and I really love the Sid chipish vibe it has. So uh, I don't, I did not investigate the uh, the soundtrack for the C64 game to see if it was the same. There's apparently a lot of sm- small or not so small ch- variations amongst all the different versions of this game, um, but uh, I don't know that the game itself is actually very good. The, this game is uh, at least on the NES and its siblings on, I guess, the Super Nintendo and Genesis. They're running gun games. So right. I kind of think of it as a very slow <coughs> version of maybe, like, Gun- Gunman Clive or something. I, I mean, Gunman Clive is already kind of a slow-paced, methodical run-and-gun. This sort of seems similar from what I can see. In terms of just kind of you walk forward very slowly and you be very careful with the placement. It's not, you know... The Contra Guns of Blazing type thing. Um, it seemed a bit more stodgy. Um, but it well, looks I mean, nice for an NES game. Yeah. I mean, visually. Yeah, I can't imagine, though, that the, uh, the, the, the game based on, you know, the worst Robocop movie would be <laughs> better than the, the games based on the good Robocop movie, which, you know, like, they weren't good in the first place. <laughs> um, so it's... Oh my god, I haven't played this game, but I did uh, see um, the movie, and as far as I know, over here, it was direct-to-video, and uh, they replaced Peter Weller as Robocop. Right. And uh, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think that anyone who matters came back for this one. Yeah, I almost made that question about how Peter Weller didn't come back, Right, it doesn't really have much to do with the, the, the game itself. <laughs> no, none of this but, has to do much with the game. I didn't have much to ask about the game. Yeah, <laughs> I know that um, Yeah, he fights like samurai robots in that game. Um, not in that game, in that movie. God, it was not good. Remember when they made like a Robocop TV series? That I, was not good either. I, I don't remember, but it does not surprise me. Yeah, I mean, everything got a a TV series in the 90s, like Highlander, um, and all all of that stuff. It's like, if you, unless you happen to be watching, you you probably didn't notice. Yeah, so, uh, any guesses on the question? Ah, what, uh, so in which region, hmm, I guess Europe, maybe? It was actually Japan. Um, Japan, hmm. Yeah, so, uh... I should have written down the name of the distributor because I'm an idiot and I didn't. But um, 
they were going through financial difficulties, I think they were eventually bought out. Um, and the game, the movie was originally going to be released, I think, in like September of 1992 in the U.S., but it, it got delayed all the way to November of 1993. But for some reason, it still came out in May of 1993 in Japan. So um, I don't know. It, when it got off, I think it might have been released in Europe before the U.S. too. It's kind yeah. of weird. I don't think that if it had come out in 92 that it would have fared any better or would have been any good. Uh, I don't think that that's what sank this movie. It, it was just not very good. Um, and yeah, I have nothing to say about the game. Uh, yes. I try to avoid uh, playing, you know, Terminator or Robocop-based games uh, w when I can. Like, usually that means that y usually those things are made by, like, LJN or you know, companies like that, and they, they, they were not a good time. Okay, we're gonna go on to the fourth game, which Guillaume does not know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Okay, so we're moving on to game four, and Guillaume uh, does not know the selection, so he's playing along. Assume I will guess wrong. Editor's note. Jerome Tell was responsible for that music. Hail, Jeroen!
Oh, there was a, how can I say this? An economy of notes. Oh, there. Luigi's scared of the economy of notes. <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, they, they were kind of, they didn't want to splurge on too many notes at once. So it's very like, doop, 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 doop. Is you know, silence makes people uneasy, so silence is good for scary. I suppose. At least that's the story I'm sticking to. <laughs> sure. So, what a what a journey this sent us to with the the bagpipes, I guess. And what was that like a harpsichord at the beginning, or sure? Well, that's what we'll call it. All right. So here is your hint question.
<clears throat> so in which setting must you use comically obsolete equipment? I feel like I've forgotten with the first track. I was like, can you replay it? No. <laughs> uh, it was spooky. So was a sp it was a spooky yeah. first track. 
It was spooky, and now we've got this, and then the harpsichord, and the bagpipes. I, I don't think I've played this, but I, I might be wrong. Um, I, I, I just, it's hard to find even like a genre that would fit all these tunes. Um, like I, I don't picture a platformer or an RPG, maybe a point and click adventure game. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to say like the dark side detective, even though I'm pretty sure that's not it because I, nothing else comes to mind. I, I really don't know. All right. Uh, I thought this was a game you played, but maybe I'm wrong. This is Golf Story for the Switch, um, which is a uh, kind of a, a Mario Golf Game Boy Color homage of sorts. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it, it kind of does what um, you were talking about when you were talking about uh, Anodyne, where it's, it's kind of like the angsty version of Mario Golf for Game Boy Color. Um, and, it, and I feel like that kind of dreariness permeates the game in a way that actually works against it uh, quite a bit. Um, I mean, the soundtrack is a little bit on the sad side, I think intentionally. The writing is, uh, um, you know, it's not bad, but it, it, it very much is kind of like life is difficult type stuff and everything goes wrong. You know, why is everything going so wrong for me? You know, string of bad luck type type stuff. Um, it... it you know, it, it does try to shake things up, and, and the the courses are uh, all kind of quirky. They, a lot of them have like zones on them where you know an animal or some other obstacle is going to like screw with your ball if you land in it. Which uh, I mean, it keeps it quirky, but also kind of gets annoying if you just want a normal round of golf. Right. Um, so overall, I mean, the golf physics are, are solid. I, I feel like. It, it doesn't. It isn't quite as satisfying as the Mario Golf series, although I couldn't quite put my finger on why. And there's nothing that seems missing. Um, I don't know that they do a good job of explaining all the controls, or maybe they kind of front loaded. And I forgot. I had forgotten like how to do the spin. And I didn't rediscover how to do like top spin or back spin until uh, like I'd finished the game. But uh, I mean, it, overall, it's good. I, I don't know if you can play it multiplayer or not. Um, but just, I don't know, the, the story itself isn't all that interesting. Um, and, you know, the scenarios that put you through don't generally challenge you a whole lot. Um, and there are a lot of fetch quests. So I, I I really wanted to like this game more than I wound up liking it. Um, but it's still a, a, a good game. And I, I don't, there's nothing else really like it on, uh, on the Switch. So... Um, you know, if, if you want something that's kind of a, a goofy, arcadey <clears throat> golf game that's a good single-player experience, and, you know, it's pretty good. Um, all, one thing I will say is that uh, all of the courses are nine-hole courses. And I think that was probably a choice they made so that they could have more variety without having to make, you know, like... I don't remember how many courses there are. There may be seven or eight courses, and, you know, they each have a different theme. <clears throat> so they probably did that so that they could kind of mix things up more without having to create 18, you know, uh, whole courses. Right. But um, it still feels like a little bit lacking. Which is like, yeah, I just want to play around a golf. It's nine holes. <laughs> I mean, you could just play another, you know, nine holes somewhere. But um, I don't know. There's just something about it that was off-putting to me. Um, right. Anyway, the um, what I was referring to in terms of comically obsolete equipment is uh, there, there's an one of the golf courses is 
in this very um, prestigious slash old timey. It's like it's like uh, making fun of like I don't know. It's like the first golf course ever, kind of a thing, and um, they're all you know old timey. Oh my, yes, you type people right. and um, stuffy and stuffy, wearing yeah. monocles. It's called uh, Tidy Park, and and one of the rules for their competition there is that you you must use old timey equipment, none of that newfangled stuff, and so. Um, I didn't even realize it when I was playing the game, but but they are um, historically accurate uh, clubs, at least to a degree, <laughs> and, and they're amazingly funny names that they used to have for these old turn of the century uh, or even you know prior to to 1900s maybe uh, equipment, um, and, and they have names like a baffy, a mashy, niblick. I mean, just really funny sounding like that's a good name for a club kind of stuff and and uh you can just look it up you know look do google search for like old-timey golf clubs and you can read about these things and and just like oh god i thought they were just being really silly and it is silly but it's also accurate so go figure but um I, yeah so I, that that stood out to me as pretty clever um so i, I like that yeah, I, I, uh, it's one of those games that I put on my wish list and then, uh, you know, lack of time, then get to it immediately, and then, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, there's just not enough time to play all the yeah. games that are interesting. I mean, it's worth checking out. Uh, I'd say, I don't remember how much they're asking for it now. If it's on a sale, I'd say get it. Don't, I wouldn't, I'd say don't pay full price for it, but... Yeah, it's not even know. so much the money as it is... Uh, when am I gonna have 20 hours to play through a single-player golf game? I yeah, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, the composer here is Joel Studler. Studler. Uh, anyway, uh, the soundtrack is on Gamp and Bandcamp if you want to check it out there. Nice. Gampamp. What the heck am I talking about? <laughs> Bandcamp. Uh, yeah. Okay, one last game. This is Guillaume's request.
how, how tranquil. Surely nothing bad will happen in this quiet little town. You fool! <laughs> bad things will happen in this quiet little town. I presume. I presume. spoke too soon and now uh, the empire has descended on the village I, I've got no idea I, gotta, <laughs> I, I chose this game but I, I, I gotta admit I've played like five minutes of it which is not enough to, to actually know what it's about um, but yeah I'll go ahead and ask the question um, so what is the name of the king from whom your protagonists are descended
Nice. Definitely kind of that square soft kind of quality to uh, to this music. Oh yeah. But uh, what pos what game could this possibly be? I mean, it's certainly not a Final Fantasy. I don't think it's a Secret of Mana. Uh, it's not Secret of Evermore. So there's not a whole lot left. I I have no idea. Haven't we used every single Square game? You would think uh, that came out to North America. Yeah, we did. Uh, maybe this is a latecomer uh, to North America. Anyway, this is stupid. I'm sorry. This <laughs> game is uh, Romancing Saga 2, which came out on the Switch last year. Uh, yeah, I forgot they even year. released this on Switch. It, so this is the first uh, legitimate international release of this game. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, right. I, well, I think that it came out on um, phones and, and iOS or whatever, uh, maybe tablets. The first, um, and yeah, so so, and it came out I think in English as well uh, on those platforms, and it was supposed to come out on PlayStation Vita in like 2017, uh, but then it got pushed back because they were having difficulties, and then like it came out at the same time on the Switch, on the PlayStation 4, on the PlayStation Vita, Vita, and um, yeah, December 2017, I believe, like yeah, very late. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this game because, I, as I said, I haven't actually played it. It was on sale recently, so I picked it up and I, I just checked it out very quickly. And um, this kind of this remake or, or is it looks weird because all the, the backgrounds are high res, but not super high quality. Like it, it looks like um, you know, like they didn't have uh, necessarily a lot of budget to make those backgrounds, uh, but all the characters retained the 16-bit pixel, you know, square stuff look. Oh, that's weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they should have just released the Super Nintendo game. Yeah, you would. Think, I guess then right? they would have had to hack to get the English in there or something, but. Right. Yeah, that's. So that that would have been less than ideal, I suppose, and also. Um, uh, even like the characters, even though they retain the the 16-bit look, I, I feel like maybe the, the what do you call that? The scaling, the scale mm -hmm. is off. Like the it looks they, they they look deformed a little bit, and I don't know if it's because that's what Saga games look like on the Super Nintendo, or if it's because of the sport. But uh, mm -hmm. could be either or. Um, well, g given apparently the track record of these Square ports, you're probably not wrong. Right. I mean, the recent, what, Final Fantasy VII port that people are complaining about bugs that they had uh, introduced, like, in the PC version or not, or maybe the tablet version that was released years ago. Right. Um, like, that, that yeah. the PlayStation 4 version had experienced and they patched them out, but then this comes out on the... Final Fantasy VII comes out on the Switch and it's got the, the bugs still. It's like, well, you patched these out. Like, couldn't you... Can't you get it right the first time? <laughs> so Square is a giant company. Yeah. I don't well, even like Chrono Trigger when it came out on PC, like had uh, people complain about the weight look because it was a terrible kind of upscaling kind of thing. Um, I don't. I just don't understand it. I just well, don't get it. They're disappointing. Yeah. That's all there is to it. They, but, they don't um, have a good track record reporting. I don't know. They outsource to some crappy company or they in they do it in-house and they don't have the back for it. Yeah. That sucks. That really yeah. does. 
But yeah, Saga, Romancing Saga 2 seems interesting, uh, but maybe a little bit more complex than I, I hoped for. Because my history with the Saga games is that uh, Final Fantasy Legend 2, or Saga 2, was my first RPG. Uh, and I managed to push through it despite not really knowing the language, <laughs> the English language, uh, despite the, the many, many typos and translation mistakes. And uh, anyway, there were a lot of factors working against me, and also the fact that it's a Saga game. It's, uh, what is that guy's name? Kawasu? Um, anyway, like the, the, uh, the, the guy who made Final Fantasy II, like the, the guy who made Final Fantasy VIII, the, the, the guy who doesn't like uh, experience points, who doesn't like traditional RPG leveling, leveling systems, uh, the guy who, who likes to make these complex and opaque systems in his RPGs uh, is behind the Saga games. Uh, but so, yeah, d despite all of that, I, I really enjoyed Final Fantasy Legend 2, and I keep giving these Saga games a shot, or these Saga-inspired games, like Legend of Legacy and, and games like that. I keep giving them a shot, hoping to, to kind of recapture what I liked when I, I was a kid about Final Fantasy Legend 2, and uh, it's tough. I think that, uh, yeah, maybe maybe uh, the, the Game Boy Final Fantasy games were just easier, and, you know, and simple enough despite the opaqueness and complexity behind, you know, the screen. Like, the, maybe they were just, like, easy enough for me to get through them, and... Uh, as soon as I, I, I try to, to, to play one of those that are meant to be tougher, I, I just I can't handle it. So yeah, as I said, uh, the, the, the Game Boy game was relatively straightforward despite being, you know, despite having all these opaque systems. Um, I did not know this when I bought this game for the Switch, but apparently um, this game Romancing Saga 2 has all those opaque systems, but it's also not exactly an RPG. Or it is, but it's also, I've seen it described in a French review as a board game, um, and, and you just get to, um, uh, you play as royalty. You play as the descendants of King Leon. And uh, you you have this quest of trying to to destroy these seven these uh, seven demons, and um, when you go out into the world and you accomplish these missions, and eventually you get the option of uh, moving on to like a descendant, like you, you get to choose some characteristics uh, for your descendant, like they 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 rub off on them, I guess. Um, and then, like you, another chapter starts, and uh, you continue on with the game. So, uh, yeah, so you just play generation after generation of uh, characters, all the descendants of this King Leon, which is the answer to the question. Uh, and um, yeah, it seems kind of uh, complex, and not exactly what I thought I was signing up for. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping to just get, you know, more of Final Fantasy Legend Two. But, oh well. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, it was, like, right now what I'm lacking is the time to actually kind of get into this game and um, j just, like, to learn it and, and then to play through it. 
So uh, maybe in a year you'll hear me on Radio Free Nintendo talking about Romancing Saga 2, but then again, maybe you won't. <laughs> I always confuse this particular series with the Mana series. Maybe it's because the composer, I, I don't know. But right. uh, Kenji Ito does do both this series and the Mana series, although not Secret of Mana, apparently. That was the one like he did not compose, but Sword of Mana, uh, Final Fantasy Adventure, which I guess was the first one in that series. Mm-hmm. On um, the Game Boy. On the Game Boy, again. So they, they both kind of have their roots in the Game Boy, and they're both sort of Final Fantasy <laughs> games, or labeled as such originally, so I guess that's why I'm the two blur in my head. But Right. Um, anyway, he, he composed the music for this game. It's really good. I... I I apparently already had songs from this on, on my phone and and uh, computer. Uh, I guess I must have used this in some sort of Japanese-only episode uh, before the podcast or something. Or maybe not. Maybe I just was stumbling upon songs and said, wow, this music's really good. But yeah, the music in this game is really good. And uh, the uh, what you hear is basically the same as the Super Nintendo game. Um, the, right. uh, maybe the mixing is slightly different or something. You know, the post-processing, but I, I couldn't really tell beyond maybe one sound more echoey than the other um, when I listened to two versions. So, I mean, great soundtrack, great quality instrumentation for Super Nintendo. Just bang-up job. Super Famicom, you mean? <laughs> Super Famicom. Come on. Yeah, I know. There's no difference. Uh, it's the same hardware. But, uh, yeah, I... I um yeah, I, I, I like uh, the music that you played. I haven't uh, experienced the, the, the soundtrack uh, by playing the game. Um, I, I'm sure it's even more impactful. <laughs> I don't, there, there's a, another game kind of in the same vein that I've always wanted to see re-released. Maybe not given the poor track record for ports that we were talking about. But um, Treasure Hunter G is a game that has a really great soundtrack and I don't know much about it. I think it's a tactical RPG game, um, but I, I doubt it's very high on the list uh, uh, for taking the time to port and translate. Right. I, I think I saw a tweet about this recently, actually. It might be like a real-time strategy game, which is uh, wild. Could be. I, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I think it came out at least in like the Japanese virtual console, maybe for Wii. So, uh, I mean, it's the, the companies that made the game uh, are still around, so it could happen, um, but I don't know. But yeah, that's another similar kind of lost, uh, non-localized Square game with fantastic music, so you could check that one out too. Uh, with that, uh, thank you, Guillaume, for co-hosting. I, I know it's kind of uh, late where you are. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. It's always, uh, it's always fun. Yeah, I don't know why we don't do this more often. Actually, I do. But yeah, I was going like to say, you, you liar. Yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> I don't record these in general very often. Uh, anyway, you can hear more of Guillaume on Radio Free Nintendo, and who knows, maybe he'll have a follow-up report, like I said, on Saga 2. But if not, uh, there are other games they discuss, and they actually release every week, unlike uh, a certain podcast you're listening to right now. So thank you again, Guillaume. And uh, anything you want to plug beyond RFN uh, before we call it a night? Oh, that's uh, no, that's pretty much all I do online. Um, there's uh, 
yeah, listen, please listen to Radio Free Nintendo, and please leave comments and stuff because uh, that's always it's always fun to hear from the listeners. Okay, uh, and thank you again. Good night. That was a terrible ending. Good night, everyone. Good night. I won't save you from this. <laughs> I dug my own grave. <laughs> <laughs>